The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Breaking a Baseball News Podcast here on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. I'm Tim Jackson here with TC Zanka once more. TC, we tried to get away and over the sticky stuff in baseball, and it just seems like while it might be leaving the game, we can't quite leave the topic. And this comes on the heels of MLB finally doing something about sticky substances, and rather quickly. So as you hear uh, a sudden ban that the game is going to eradicate sticky substances within a week, with the memo that they sent out to teams and players. How do you feel about it? Do you feel like it's a good response? Do you feel like it's necessary, well-timed, uh, well put together? Do you feel any way in particular at all, or are you just like, this is the next step in the saga? I'm glad that something is happening for sure, but I kind of agree with uh, Charles Barkley's assessment the other day. He was he spoke <laughs> about it at halftime of a game, and he was like, you know, they've instituted these punishments, these suspensions. Players who get caught are going to be suspended for two weeks with pay. Watch out, everybody. Cheating's going to stop now. These guys are scared. It's not exactly the harshest penalty, right, to get two weeks of a paid vacation um, just because you're, you know, when you're caught here. So biggest thing is, yeah, I mean, I'm glad they made some action. And if, you know, left to my own druthers two weeks ago, if I – had to come up with something like this. It might've been something close to this. Like this seems like a good way to start, but given the the backlash that we've seen from it, even very quickly here, specifically with the Tyler Glasnow situation, which I'm sure we will get into here. Clearly it seems like MLB has kind of stepped in it again, right? Like they pulled the football away from Charlie Brown one more time. Yeah. Except like the thing is the, the I guess the joke with that is Charlie Brown always just wanted a chance to be an athlete. And now we know these major league players are legitimate athletes. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, I guess that's really a fascinating comparison to bring up is that the league is constantly pulling the rug out from under the, the, the players. And, uh, you know, we can hop right into the glass now stuff. You know, he hits the IL earlier this week with a partially torn UCL and a flexor tendon strain. So right off the bat, not good stuff all heavily, heavily related to your elbow and throwing and torque and all that. The partially torn UCL isn't necessarily the pseudo-death knell that a fully torn one is, right? We, we like Masahiro Tanaka has pitched with a partially torn UCL for years. Shohei Otani is currently doing it. Uh, guys do it. But nonetheless, he's going to miss significant time. He was actually just transferred to the 60-day IL, 
by Tampa, so he's going to miss a lot of games. And in his response, and being asked about the sticky stuff, and being asked about his injury, he said that it was, quote, insane to enforce the rule mid-season, that it definitely contributed to his injury. And do you find that a viable response, that it definitely immediately contributed to his injury here? Because he said that he was squeezing the S out of the ball to get a grip as he threw it. Yeah, I think it's totally viable. I mean, it's one of those things where I don't think I thought of it myself, but the minute he said it, it was like, oh, yeah, that makes all the sense in the world. They shouldn't, like, up and change everything right away. That doesn't, without any warning. I mean, these guys were professional athletes. They've been training for these moments. They've been, like, working towards a particular style and routine. And, like, I don't think that he tore his UCL entirely because – he had to stop using whatever he was using before, but neither does he. I mean, he was very reasonable about it. I mean, there were some very nice pull quotes to, to really lay the blame on MLB, but he also said like, you know, I tore my AC or my UCL because I'm six, seven and I throw a hundred. Like that's why it happened. Right. But why do I think it happened now? It happened now in part because I was changing things up and that's what happens when you, th- when you're six, seven and you throw a hundred and then you all of a sudden have to start doing things differently. And I think that's a totally fair point and actually like you know he was emotional about it but he was ultimately really reasonable and I think he's ultimately right I mean these guys are working towards a certain point and it's MLB's fault that it's gotten to this point it's not Tyler Glasnow's fault that it's gotten to this point I mean it's been an epidemic it's a it's a thing that's been regularized in the game and that's because MLB's let it get to that point so to let it get all the way here where it's something that everybody's doing and then to all of, a, all of a sudden up and say, oh, wait a minute, we think this is a problem now. Let's change the policy. Let's write a new policy in 10 days and then implement it instantly. Like, right. there's nothing else. Like, it just looks stupid. It looks like a like poorly run. It looks like an knee-jerk reaction. Like, take the time. You can make, you know, maybe you say no spider tax specifically, or you try to make some smaller concessions, and or even just don't do anything and just say that this is something we're going to figure out in the offseason and wait and put in the system then when players have the time to prepare for it. But there's also the CBA coming up and there's all these other things coming up. And I'm not sure that the league wanted to wait that long and they wanted to kind of deal with this thing now. I think wanting to deal with it now is fine, but like you were saying, and like last now said to institute and enforce this stuff now is I think a little bit insane. I, I think, you know, this is something you bring up in January, something you bring up in November, right after the world series. Like I don't care what memos you did or didn't sent out. Or, or when you send them, you know, that that's what Glassnow said. He said, do it in the off season. Give us a chance to adjust to it. Uh, you know, I just threw 80 something, 70, whatever innings. And, and then you just told me I can't use anything in the middle of the year. I had to change everything I'd been doing the entire season, everything out the window. I had to start doing something completely new. And on one hand, I think we can totally weigh the reality of that. Like, okay, technically it's in the rule book. It's the rule. You have to follow it. But on the other, I think I can be empathetic toward the idea that, like, I don't know. I don't like the idea that these guys are cheating. I think if you're using something like spider tack, which definitely elevates the spin more than sunscreen and rosin, which was it class now or another player saying recently, like, we just had a conference call, all the union reps. Nobody had a problem with, with sun, sunscreen and rosin. So why are we getting rid of that one? Yeah. You know, I like, I think... Definitely, if you're using spider tech, all right, knock that crap off. But at the same time, to go from uh, zero to 60 like this, 
seems extreme and I don't really know who it benefits. I don't know who is be- like there are a lot of people saying, well, now the game, it, it, it's it's cleaner. You know, it's shame on them for cheating and doing this. for so. It's like we've talked about this. We talked about it last week. We, we tried to talk through it as much as we can. And because it's an evolving story, we're evolving the conversation with it. This has become a, fa- a part of the fabric of the game in all reality. It just is. Yeah. And to, to immediately strip it out seems really irresponsible. Uh, to the league, to not consider again the uh, unintended consequences, to not test things, to not try to come up with a solution. And you were talking about, uh, and I, I mentioned it too, knocking out Spider Tech in particular, but that's something that Ben Clemens of Fangraphs uh, actually discussed in a piece recently on, uh, it was just yesterday, uh, on Wednesday. So we're recording uh, Thursday this week instead of Wednesday. And Ben had a piece come out of Fangraphs saying, that, um, you know, any foreign substance, quote, is what the memo says from the league, uh, is a massive change from the way baseball is currently played. Uh, the rules intended, at least in theory, to crack down on synthetic grip enhancers, such as spider tech, that create huge increases in grip strength, spin strength. All right, so there's all of that stuff. But then he says, um, you know, it's really difficult to disallow one substance because he says in disallowing those practices, the league is making things easier for the umpires who will enforce the new crackdown. It's not hard to imagine what would happen if some, but not all substances were banned. A pitcher caught using a prohibited substance would claim it was instead an allowed one. Uh, You know, spider tack is a viscous brown substance. And so is pines are and, and, and rosin and sunscreen, you know, you mix these things in it's really tough to distinguish them and that's why instead of coming in with the the thoughtless ham-fistedness it seems like this really needs a delicate approach and major league baseball as an as an entity does not seem to have that ability do they no not at all that is not their mo like they don't seem to be all that capable of moving that sleekly i mean it's a it's tough to be sleek when you're a such a big machine <laughs> a billion dollar a 10 billion dollar uh like you're saying machine right but like you don't have to be so like don't like that's not that shouldn't be the goal like to be that smooth like just figure it out be correct about it be you know act like a professional organization take your time figure things out like understand that if this is how the game's been played for the last however long or at the very least if this is how the game's being played this year let it keep going this year until you have the proper solution. Like you said, I mean, take your time, take your time. Why rush into something if you're not sure it's the exact right solution. And, and, you know, if they had talked to the players, which it's hard to know if they did or not, the players, as you said, seem to have their own solution that, that, you know, maybe was or was not okay with them, but clearly it's a complicated issue and it needs more, more time. You said something that really stuck out to me as curious. You said you don't have to be super smooth, but you should act like a pro organization. Are, does that naturally imply then that Major League Baseball, again, as an entity, is not acting like a professional organization by coming in and saying, like, snapping their fingers and drastically changing things? Well, exactly. I mean, they're they're. this wasn't a problem until all of a sudden it, sudden it was, and now it's a a grade 10 problem. Like that doesn't make any sense. Like if this was such a big deal that it needed to be changed so quickly, 
then they should have looked at it in the offseason. They should have addressed it at any other point. If it's such a big deal now, then why are they rushing to this quick decision? They just they look kind of like bumbling fools out there. Like they're kind of grasping at straws. Like they're they're changing the baseball, but now the baseball is too sleek and it's not exactly what they want. And they're changing the baseball again. And now people are using too much stuff. And now they're just like they can't figure out what the game is. But every step they take seems to lead them closer and closer to this three true outcome style of baseball that we're getting used to, which is not what Major League Baseball as an entity wants. And yet they seem like they're the you know they can't help but be pushing the game in that direction. And you would just think like, you're right, you guys, everything you're doing is pushing us further in that direction. So maybe <laughs> take a breath, like, you know, one step back for two steps forward, like give yourself a second to figure out a real plan here and then decide what's really best. What's the, are you going to keep the baseball the way it is? Or are you going to change it again? Cause if you're going to change it again, you might need to readdress this issue at that point too. So maybe just, kind of figure out one plan moving forward. Take your time. We still have another, you got six months until the next season starts. You got nine months till the next season starts, right? right? Like you got plenty of time. You're not losing a lot from baseball right now. If you just let it keep going, but you are, but what you are doing now instead is you're driving this conversation and it's all about spider attack. Now it's just like, you know, I'm coaching this camp. I was telling you about this camp. I'm coaching 12 year old kids. It's like five to 13 year olds. And all they're talking about is spider attack. It's spider tag every day with these kids. And it's like, this is insane. Why are these kids talking about spider tag? Like they're at baseball camp and we're talking about spider tag. This is just insane. I mean, these 12 year olds today, they were mixing up in the dugout chalk and uh, chalk and sunscreen. They were making their own little like rousing cheat stuff. And it's just like, I'm just like, what That's are you guys remarkable. doing? And like for every two kids that are doing it, there's two kids who are like, they shouldn't be cheating. <laughs> and I'm like, personally, I'm a little bit like MLB probably was two years ago. I'm like, it's fine. They don't know what they're doing. They're going right. to be totally ineffective. And yet, like, maybe if these kids had two more years, they'd have some spider tag solution on their hands. And I'd be like, ah, what have I done? Like, <laughs> now they're totally cheating. But like, you know, this is, this is the role model part, right? This is where the, the baseball players as role models are supposed to step in. Cheating should not be the foremost thing that these kids are learning from the game. And right now in this cultural moment, it is. And I think that's the shame because it doesn't take away from like Garrett Cole using spider tech does not take away from Garrett Cole as a player, right? Like he's still incredible. He just went out last night and shoved. I mean, he threw a 95 mile an hour changeup and Lindsay Adler after the game asked an incredible question, which was very simply how, how do you throw a 95 mile an hour changeup? His velo was the same as ever. His spin was down a lot, which is kind of the indicator of what uh, what the substances might be doing, right? That's kind of the tip-off. Right. It was the first game he struck out four batters uh, since May. Every other game has been at least five, usually seven or eight, uh, 10, 11, 12. All of those are sprinkled in there, but he still went out and shoved. He went out and faced 29 hitters over eight innings. He walked one batter. He gave up two runs by two solo homers. So really, what was different besides maybe three or four strikeouts? Like that—that's what really sucks about to me is that the the these twelve-year-olds, and probably not isolated to this this camp you're working, they're talking about the spider tech instead of like it's incredible that Garrett Cole is still incredible, right? Like there's a story there that MLB is burying, whether intentional or not, that still takes away from a strong player performance, which is really frustrating. Because it reminds me so heavily of 
a parent who can't enforce anything, so they enforce everything, right? Yeah. And then, like, like you're saying, it pushes people away from this three true come three out three true outcome reality of baseball, instead of uh, maybe getting them to lean into something new or up a, a new discussion or something like that. Like all of this is happening, and I can't imagine that. MLB doesn't have the people working within it because they are stocked with people who have worked the game, right? Like, whether whether you care for Tony LaRusso or not, or Joe Torre or not, right? Like, they've been working with the league on and off. These are guys who have credit within the game, who know people, who know people, who know people, who know the players if they don't know them themselves. And I can't imagine that they couldn't have gone to these uh, primary users of extreme substances for grip and say... You need to cut that out because this is what's coming down the pike. And you want to use something else? You want to get adjusted? Fine. But you you can't use this anymore. And maybe the public would have noticed because we are a data-heavy public, at least online, right? The, the online baseball community, you, you can't really be online or on Twitter without seeing the, these things pop up. I've seen them pop up from accounts I've never seen talk about spin rates before, right? Like, that's the story. Yeah. So maybe we would have noticed anyway but at the same time, it would have given guys a chance to adjust. It wouldn't have necessarily uh, been so uh, heavy, heavy-handed, or I, I really regard it more as ham-fisted, right? Just like right. completely thoughtless. Um, and the thing is, it does take time to adjust. So for as much as we might want to claim purity, we might want to also acknowledge the fact, like, like you said a few minutes ago, these guys train a certain way, and they've been doing it a certain. A pretty a, an ex, a significant chunk of their life at this point, and it could take weeks for a pitcher to retrain themselves to use a different substance or no substance at all, and that's that's why you know when you dramatically because what what comes up with the glass now injury in particular is that the the same muscles for squeezing and this comes up in Ben Clemens's piece of Fangraphs the same muscles used for squeezing the ball uh, are are within the UCL. So there is some legitimacy there to say that, like, you know, it, it could take weeks to physically adapt to a new stimulus. That's that's Jimmy Buffy saying this. Um, he is uh, he has a Ph.D. in biomedical engineering. Uh, he's got his B.S. in mechanical engineering. He's worked with the Dodgers. Um, somebody who has experience. This isn't just like, you know, an eye doctor calling in and being like, well, am I one week of med school doing this? Right. This is somebody with direct experience. So I I don't know. Does it strike you similarly like the parent who can't really enforce anything and then they constrict too tight and pushes people further away? That's exactly what it seems like. I mean, they don't know how to deal with this situation. And so they're just kind of lashing out and saying, oh, you can't do this. You can't do that. In part, maybe to show to the public that, I mean, baseball is afraid of looking like the cheater sport, right? Because it's the cheater sport, but it's a particularly sensitive issue for the league. I think like they don't love the stain that's still on the sport from steroids. And I, and I think that this is kind of, it became a hot button issue for them. But again, it's like by running directly towards it, they like, like they brought the sirens with them. They turned on the sirens and now everyone's looking at them being like, what's going on over here. And it's like, Oh, it's a cheating thing. It's a cheating scandal. And we're shutting it down. But it's like, no, maybe nobody was really, to your point, like nobody was really yeah. looking until you turned on the sirens. Like you could have maybe dealt with this in a, in a slightly more discreet way if you if you weren't so 
you know, Galdar and scared of being called out again as being the cheater sport. And again, it goes back to just like the basics. Like, are you working for optics or are you working for like the actual foundational skills? Like you, if you don't want to be the cheater sport, the way to do it is not to look like you're not the cheater sport or to, you know, come up with a new strategy to punish the cheaters the thing to do is to not be the cheater sport get cheaters out of your sport and that takes a longer time that takes some work that takes some like right some real maybe ingenuity and working with the players and compromise and and you know planning maybe you might want to think about mlb planning make a plan you guys and they just don't they don't seem like they're there yet they still seem so concerned about the optics and again we've talked about this before that probably stems from being a sport that's like run by a commissioner who's dealing largely with ownership. And so these rich owners get concerned and, you know, maybe flag an issue and then he hops to, and it's like, right. It all feels very out of touch. Everything MLB does feels so out of touch. It feels out of touch with the players. It feels out of touch with the fans. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I think that's unavoidable. Even you saying like, you know, maybe this harkens back to the steroid era and them having some deep regrets and shame over how that played out. Well, we know at this point that they facilitated that too, or at least enabled by turning a blind eye, just like this situation. And it's funny, you said, as you said that, what came to mind was Big Mac Land out in Bush Stadium. Mm-hmm. Big Mac Land is not just like a great McDonald's marketing opportunity in St. Louis. It, it happened because of Mark McGuire. So even that is still a part of like the spirit for baseball. Mm-hmm. publicly happening 162 times a year or or 81 I guess if we're going to go by home games nonetheless dozens of times a year so I I just have such a hard time taking them seriously when they want to play the morality card because that's something else that that comes to mind in this context for me too is that well it's in the rules they should play by the rules a fine thought but the rules are really kind of like a, they're much more flexible in pretty much any context than anything else. And I think to say the, the same people who would say, well, it's in the rules would be the first people to also say, well, he's getting away with it. And if they happen to have liked what was happening, they don't mind. But they feel that it's crossed a certain line, which we've talked about, right? We've talked about how hard it is for baseball to define a line, that so many of these unwritten rules and things like that are moving targets. So it's, it's just hard to take it seriously. And on that note, you know, you mentioned steroids, or, and we're talking about the context of this. It wouldn't be a league story or controversy without Scott Boris, right? So true. And... He recently gave a statement to Ken Rosenthal. We don't have to read the entire thing. It's it's not long-winded, but it's, you know, longer than we need to necessarily read through. I think the quick hits are that Boris agreed that the, st- the substances were too much, that they were out of hand, um, that the league should have done something about it years ago, and that if they decided to do something, it should not have happened instantaneously, and it should not have happened at the beginning or in the middle of the season. And he says this after Zach Gallen pretty much echoed what every other pitcher has said, right? Where he's like, this is ridiculous. Uh, like I came up, as I came up in the Marlins organization, Michael Hill, somebody, a public facing employee of the league office right now is enforcing this. And, uh, you know, now, now it's a problem. Like this is ridiculous. 
And, you know, I guess before we assess this, should we reassess our own feelings on Scott Boris? I can say up front, I, I am generally pro Boris. I think he does uh, or has a better pulse on the league than even the office does, the league office. Uh, yeah, how do you I feel mean, about him before we get into what he said? I mean, he is no doubt biased. Everything he says is biased. But, like, <laughs> we, we understand that. Like, he's still one of the most, like, educated baseball minds we have in the game and he's one of the more plugged in baseball minds we have in the game. So like, while yes, we understand that there is a lot that, I mean, he has as much scouting as a major league baseball team. He's our 31st team. So like, yes, yeah, he has an agenda. He always has an agenda. That doesn't mean we should shut him up. He's got a lot of good things to say. And, and I think this is, he's on point again. Like he has, he has the pulse of the league. I think he's very much somebody that has to be listened to if taken with a grain of salt. I think that's a, a fair statement to make about Boris, even in terms of, I think it's fan, fantastic. It, maybe not fantastic, but really enjoyable to think of him as the 31st team. <laughs> uh, he, like in terms of scouting, even uh, his facilities for players, to, his clients to work in. And uh, he, he, like he has his own analytics teams that, that is probably bigger than some teams in the league. Uh, like, so yeah, certainly biased, but biased in a way that I think, undeniably wants the best product on the field and while he's biased because he wants to reward players for that as much as possible I think that's where he differs from the league and I think that's why he chafes league officials so much with the comments that he makes because he will just say something like oh yeah this has been a problem I'll give you that much uh but this is not the way to handle it and uh he he compared it to steroids that's why we're bringing Scott Boris into this statement he compared it to the difference between uh, corticosteroids and anabolic steroids, saying that one is used to aid players and in recovery and one is used for enhancing performance. And he drew a line between, say, spider tack and pine tar and sunscreen or rosin and sunscreen, things like that. And he said the solution is probably going to be uh, a universal substance. Uh, and, you know, that... That's that's not what's happened. Like you're saying, things take time. Good good decisions and well made paths take time, but MLB doesn't really do that. They kind of just jump in and make a clearing and say, "Hope you can follow us." Exactly. I mean, we've all said this. Like, I feel like everyone in the world, except for Major League Baseball, has the same take. Like, it's all about reliability and consistency and leveling the playing field. So we're gonna end up with one solution that like rosin is allowed or whatever it is where there's going to be one amount of thing one uh you know one standardized substance and that's going to be it and that's what's going to be allowed but mlb can't even seem to figure it out they just like they want a solution so badly that they're just willing to jump at it and make this like this new hop on issue for them but they should just take the time and figure out what the right stuff is to use. I mean, Boris makes these great points about like, you know, okay, so pine tar can't be used for pitchers, but hitters are using it in the same game and they're touching yeah. the same baseballs and yeah. pitchers right now are hitting so they can use pine tar when they're hitting, but they can't use it when they're pitching. So they just, it, it does create this gray area where like pine tar on the baseball does not necessarily mean that the pitcher is doctoring the baseballs. And until you can say unequivocally, there is no pine tar in this building unless if you brought it in. <laughs> yeah. Like it's hard to totally ban it. So they have to find a solution. That's the solution they need to find where it's like the thing that they can use 
or the things that they can't use aren't here for any other reason. Like needs to be something that's not in the building, right? It can't be yeah. chalk. It can't be the chalk that you use to paint the lines. It can't be grass. It can't be double bubble. Like you have to have <laughs> stuff that is out of the game, every part of the game for it to be totally and effectively banned. Which, which it makes it difficult when they've enabled it so long by letting it go because so many substances have been brought in. How do you possibly police that? Like, just th- like, as you were talking about, like, uh, finding the right substance or going about it the right way, the image that came into my head is, like, uh, like one of those old cartoons, one of those old Warner Brothers cartoons where, like, somebody's in a tiny sailboat and a hole springs, and they plug it, and then another one pops yeah. up, and they just keep trying to like do a, a, a modified game of Twister, trying to cover all the holes, instead of just being like, I should stop sailing and figure this out. Yeah, that is Rob Manfred to a T. Like, <laughs> that's, that's, you nailed it. That is what Rob Manfred is always doing. All right, well, so let me run this by you. Is this, this pops into my head. Did you see the, the Pete Alonso bomb? Not, not a home run bomb, but the, the bomb that he said, it's not... It's not a mistake that this is happening as pitchers are dominating and about to hit the market as the big names. When the when the yeah ball- <laughs> yeah yeah. I mean, I don't know how much you know credence I give to that, especially when his own GM Zach Scott was like, "Oh, I didn't know he was a conspiracy theorist." Like, oh, very interesting. And to be <laughs> fair, like you know, it's not like hitters aren't also on the market or being affected by the market. Like right. both sides are going to be on the free agent market and and have been. So you know. But I do like that Pete Alonso is throwing his hat in the ring for, you know, just willing to say it. Craziest, craziest guy in the house. He's like, hey, don't forget about me. <laughs> I can say wacky stuff. <laughs> well, I bring it up because as much as I don't want to feed into it, I do think it's interesting in the sense that we have acknowledged that Manfred is an employee of the owners and that the owners are billionaires who don't want to pay players. Uh, so I don't know that there's necessarily even a correlation between the two, but I do think that there is something to uh, Manfred being on the side of the line that looks out for owners and Boris being on the side of the line that looks out for players. And they're not really being much of a middle ground there, right? Like you really are either more pro-owner or pro-player, whether you want to be or acknowledge it or not. So it becomes like for a game that is so clearly divided in that sense, it is infuriating to watch it be, like what you said, uh, just a, a treacherous, murderous gray area that is just thinking yeah. people left and right like sirens in, in the Odyssey. Yeah, I mean, to your point, like the owners are always trying to get to pay the players less. Like that's always sure. on their mind. So like, yeah, when Alonso says sure. something like that, it's easy to be like, okay, dude, can we tone it down? Because this is always the point, but also this is always the point. So it, like, it's it's hard to really sort through whether or not Alonso is a crazy person or not. He reminds me of like one of those guys on like like the like History Channel like ancient aliens shows where they're like they had tools thousand years ago that we've just developed. How could yeah. they have had those except perhaps ancient aliens? And you're like pretty crazy, but also maybe I don't know. I don't yeah. I don't have another solution. So that's how I feel about Alonso. It's like all right, dude, not everything's a conspiracy, and yet. Maybe you're right. Maybe they aren't doing exactly that. I, I don't know. I definitely know that the owners want to pay people less. So yeah. All right. Yeah, and not right. Like what we're saying, I think what we're agreeing on here is that maybe Pete Alonso is not right with his statement, but isn't wrong with his sentiment. 
and that the sentiment does line up with the issue at hand here uh, when it comes to the deadened baseball and, and the sticky stuff making it even more pronounced. I think what chafes me most as as a fan, as an observer of this whole thing, especially the back and forth between Boris and Gallen and, and anybody, really, because all the pitchers have had the same response. They've been willing to answer the question enough about sticky stuff and substances to the point where they give the reporter a quote and then they say... I'm happy to talk about this more when Rob Manfred does, which I think is appropriate because, mm-hmm. again, we've talked about how players are pushed to, you know, they're the ones who get the questions. Owners, front office people, league office people, they don't get them. Uh, so when Michael Hill does respond to the Gallon and Boris statements by saying that it is predictable that a player represented by a particular agent would make false accusations, about me, given my current role and the agent's obvious desire to distract people from the current issues surrounding the use of foreign substances. The assertions, however, are completely false. So I have a couple bones to pick with this statement. Uh, one, um, the agent's obvious desire to distract people from the current issue surrounding the use of foreign substances. He wasn't trying to distract people. He, he talked about the issue. Uh, and two, given my current role like yeah you're the guy like who else are they going to talk to who else are they going to bring up michael hill like they need to name somebody they they've named rob manfred your name got brought up into this too because you were in the marlins front office we know that teams were advocating for pitchers to use this at all levels of the game and up through the system to the point where it didn't look suspicious if your numbers jumped once you hit the majors so what did you expect yeah i mean Who's Zach Gallen going to name or who are these other guys going to name? Like Gallen happens to have been like, he told the truth. He's been, he was told these things by Michael Hill. Right. And so like he, and he happens to be in a position where he had a former GM say these things to him. Right. You can't say this about a current GM. You can't throw a guy under the bus like that. Like a guy who's, who's your boss. Who's like paying your paychecks. Like, and I don't know how many other, I'm sure there are lots of other players who are in similar situations. You could come out and give someone's name. Michael Hill also is not a current GM. He works for the league office. So that puts him in a particular situation. And like, he's not any more or less culpable than any GM, but you're right. He is the guy whose name is out there. And he is the guy who's like been named and who is in the, just in the same way that like Garrett Cole shouldn't have to answer all the questions for all pitchers. Michael Hill shouldn't have to answer all questions for all GMs. But until we get someone more clearly in line who should be the guy, you're the yeah. guy. Yeah, I, I think that's a really fair observation. Even in light, like I last week, I I think I maybe I came off as a, uh, frustrated that Cole was the one answering or any particular player would be the one answering. But, uh, oh man, the Giants are trouncing the, the, the Diamondbacks right now and what looked like a surefire homer just died at the at the track uh anyway uh as that may be symbolic of what's going on in the game right now uh, as much as i might have been frustrated with how any given pitcher was having to respond to the questions i think it's fair like there is a certain response that says oh how dare you challenge me in particular and then there's also if we step back and look at it what else are we left to say with what did you expect like you're you're the guy even what frustrates me more about this particular situation is that former uh, pitcher Tom Kohler came out and said, well, oh, he told you that? Well, why did I suck with the Marlins? Well, he didn't teach me anything. It's like, this is 
one, it's funny that like, okay, we can acknowledge Kohler wasn't the most amazing MLB player, but two, like, this is kind of what the league seems to want. They want the players going at each other. They want Josh Donaldson bringing up certain names, right? Like, they would prefer that instead of having Michael Hill get brought up. And Michael Hill would prefer to deflect back to that instead of having more people like him brought into the situation. And it like that's I think that lines up pretty well with what you're saying, where like baseball as 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 a game doesn't quite seem to get it, right? Like, there's a disconnect there, and this is a major issue that really emphasizes it. But also, like the reason you weren't better, Tom Kohler, is because you weren't given the spider jack <laughs> like that's why you weren't better and i don't know why michael hill chose zach gallon and not you like it's probably another one of those situations like the uh you know the michael gladwell book about like how you know the kids who are older and older in class are better at football and hockey because they're the bigger kids and so yeah. they get encouraged more and it's like it's the same kind of thing zach gallon comes in as a highly touted prospect so like michael hill takes notice of him wants to make sure he's got the stuff a little bit of selection bias sure right tom kohler i don't know i'm sorry you didn't get the stuff you should have maybe you would have been a lot better, but <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly the problem though. Right. It's like, there shouldn't be some, like there shouldn't be cheaters, no matter who's directing right. it, they shouldn't be in the game. We should have a level playing field as much as possible. And that can get so lost in everything else of like the right solution and, and finding the blame. And it's like, just get the cheaters out, like make the game, such that people can't cheat as much as you can. Like we look at this rule book every single year. They decide on the rule book every year. They look at it again. Like if the rules aren't being enforced, they shouldn't be in the rule book. That should be the benefit of having a sport that's 130 years old. <laughs> like we've been looking at these rules forever. And if you would just enforce them, like, yeah, rule books are really hard to enforce to the letter because there's so much gray area, but that's, but we've been the head of sport for 130 years. We should be able to figure yeah. it out better than any other sport does and yet we seem to be doing it worse than any other sport if you would just follow the rule book like enforce the rule book if you have rules enforce them and then if they don't seem wholly effective change them yeah and then enforce revisit. them again like like come on use the rule book that's why it's there so tc with all of this said is there any resolution that doesn't put egg on the face of baseball as a whole, whether it's players, the league, whomever, just the sport. Is there any solution this year with all of this goop and all of this crap that comes with it that doesn't make baseball look worse and less uh, desirable or appealing? This year, I, I, I don't really see how they can fix things. I mean, you know, best case scenario, we end up with the postseason where a lot of the best pitchers involved aren't hurt. And if that, you know, if we get there where Walker Bueller and Clayton Kershaw are pitching for the Dodgers and Blake Snell and you Darvish and Joe Musgrove are pitching, are pitching for the Padres and the best players are there and we're able to see this competitive sport play out through the playoffs, like that would be a way to salvage it somewhat, like at least you salvage the season. But like sure. the situation itself on the whole is, is kind of mucked. I mean, I don't know what you do with the besides, like, you know, as we've said this whole time, you know, reconfigure, figure it out and, you know, make it part of the next, roll it into the next collective bargaining agreement, I suppose, and get it set for next year. 
And I, I think that's a really interesting observation in terms of injury potential impact because right now in the NBA, we're seeing a lot of issues where the best players are either hobbled or out. And it's impacted series and the outcomes of the playoffs. And I just don't think that's a place that baseball can afford to be, like maybe basketball can. And we, we you know, the, the worst part maybe about this coming out and 40% into the season is that we've got 60% of the season left. And this is going to be the number one storyline. And that kind of sucks. Yeah, it's a real bummer. I mean, we should just be able to, you know, we should be able to watch the game again. Like, it's not just the kids at camp. It's me and you. It's everyone around baseball. Like, we're all talking about spider tech instead of anything else that's happening in the game, which is such a bummer. There are things to talk about. Wade LeBlanc just got signed by the Cardinals. (laughs) He's in his fourth organization. Like, What's the impact going to have on the young guys coming up in the Cardinals system? We should be breaking this down. <laughs> Is he going to give them an avenue Johan back to the NL Central? Like, we got things to discuss, but instead we're talking about goop. Ugh. We are. And so on that note, let's turn. I'm sure we're going to come back to this. I mean, coming to it two weeks in a row, I, I feel like we, we just acknowledge 60% of the year is left. Uh, it's unavoidable to come back to it, but... Right now, we can transition into this week in baseball and go through some of the injury roundup, some other bummer news before we get to some stronger bits toward the end. Uh, Alex Bregman has a quad injury. Jacob deGrom had another scare. Uh, Gene Segura is out three weeks with a groin strain. Max Scherzer is also on the I.L. with a groin inflammation. Cody Bellinger just went back to the I.L. Bryce Harper's back is acting up. And then there are a bunch of other guys of a, of a lesser star caliber also getting banged up in the last week or so. And what I guess I want to ask you is what we're asking regularly every week in this segment, TC, is which injury sticks out as maybe the most critical given where teams are, what the competitive landscape looks like, anything like that? Well, as per usual, I mean, if anything happens to Jacob deGrom, you know, we should just cancel the season and (laughs) put on reruns of Jacob deGrom. (laughs) Like, I mean... (laughs) He's like a, you know, he's like a guy who loves haunted houses in in, in October, and it's just like yeah. he loves giving the Mets a good scare. He's like all about it. It's all he does anymore. I mean, he looked so good against the Cubs. He was just like he was perfect. He, he was, had eight strikeouts and perfect through three he innings. Struck out eight of nine, and then it's just like, you know what, guys? I don't feel myself. I don't feel like myself. It's like what? How could that yeah. be? You're insane. Like you're so good, you can't be hurt. And good on him for like stepping out when it doesn't go right and anyway right. he had to play the long game it's all very true so he's the best pitcher in the sport the Mets are always kind of a, a woeful mess but they're in first <laughs> place now and you know they need him desperately like the worst thing that could happen would be the Mets make the playoffs and Jacob DeGrom is not there like that'd be a huge bummer like please it was please, a huge please don't let that I know so just like keep him healthy that's so that's like the biggest one the Breckman injury is supposed to be maybe semi-severe, and that'll be a that'll hurt the Astros. Like they've played really pretty well after kind of a slow start, and the the A's aren't going anywhere in that division. So, you know, forget the Astros. Who cares about them? But also, that's a big injury for them. That one hurts. Yeah, yeah. I even on just a note on Degrom with all the insane stats. Uh, one of my favorite ones is just that he hasn't even been able to pitch super deep into games yet just because of various health things uh test results came back clean they said he has a normal looking shoulder it's just weird pitcher stuff i just hope he sits long enough to stay healthy come back totally healthy stay that way 
get right back to like Pedro Martinez numbers from 20 years ago, 22 years ago, whatever it was, uh, because it's just incredible, like it, legitimate appointment television for me. I, I stop what I'm doing when I realize it's a DeGrom night and I just like I just put it on. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I heard the doctors came out after the test and they said, unfortunately, something's not right here. We see we see that uh, you have more RBIs than Aaron runs allowed. Is that is that right? That can't be. <laughs> Your arm's fine, but well, you know what? That's, this can't be true, right? That the Mets were apparently they're like freaked out that maybe he's getting these small tweaks from swinging the bat because his mechanics are the cleanest mechanics you'll ever see. If you see pitcher overlays of him on Twitter and it's two different pitches, it could be 30 pitches apart and they look the same. Like you don't see that like shadowy Vesper of him next to this the current pitch like his mechanics are that clean so they're like maybe it's swinging maybe just don't swing when you go to bat i mean and he swings a good bat but if that's the case then like i i take back everything i said mlb knee-jerk reaction time <laughs> bring in the dh baby come on get yeah. it in here like let's make it if that's is that true like let's make it happen like worth it worth it just to save the ground let's use his arm come on and could you just imagine like the Mets saying that like we're just gonna have him not swing like whatever we'll take an out like I don't we don't care we just need him on the mound and you're forcing us to put him in the box like we're just gonna put him on the mound like don't- we're, gonna, we're sending him out there just for those three pitches we want we yeah want those three pitches I mean honestly yeah why not it's like use the use the three pitches hope you get to four maybe five who knows how many <laughs> balls they're gonna throw like let it work up those pitch counts and otherwise just you know. Hang out. Go up there with headphones. Listen to some music yeah. for a while. Like, pull, do pull, a, pull a John Cruck against Randy Johnson in the All-Star game. Just step out. You're like, no way. Yeah. Let's go. Do your thing. I'll be here. I got a book. I'm going to just read a little bit. Like, throw your pitches. <laughs> I'm cool. Uh, Tell me when we're done. That other New York team, the Yankees, who are struggling, especially in comparison to the Mets this year, uh, have just traded Mike Ford to the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, I, you know, somebody said they, they're selling a lot for a team that keeps saying they're going to buy. Maybe this is like we want to give Chris Gittens a shot to the backup role and Luke Voigt's coming back soon. Uh, but it is kind of weird, right? Because Mike Ford played exclusively first base for them and now he goes to a division rival who's like eight games up on you. I don't know. I think that's a little overblown. I mean, Mike Ford had a good year in 2019. He hasn't been any good since then. His mustache is awesome. <laughs> but he hasn't really done much with the bat and he's 28 years old. Like he's not exactly a guy that is, is destined for, for greatness here. I mean, again, he had a really good 2019. He mashed in triple a, and then he came up and he played really well the rest of that season, 2020, 2021. It has not been the same thing. He has not played that well. And that's true. You know, he is 28 years old. It might be, he played out of his head for that one season. And I don't think that they, you know, he's not a guy who can move around the defensive spectrum. He right. plays just the one, one position. The Met, the Yankees aren't like, you know, if, if we're going to get beat by the Rays, it's not going to be because of Mike <laughs> Ford. Like, there's going to be any number of reasons. So I, I, I think it's a little bit overblown that they're, you know, dealing pieces in Mike Ford and, and Mike Talkman. I mean, these were guys that, like, yes, have some utility. But if any other team were trading these guys, we would not be kicking up a fuss. Like it's, it's not Glaber Torres that they're dealing here. Like it's, it's okay. That's they, true. Got, they got some time. I mean, they should be more <laughs> concerned about the players that they are acquiring. Can you imagine <laughs> if they, if they acquired Glaber and kept him at short just to keep Franco down? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, that's kind of funny. I, I think it's funny. You mentioned maybe he just played out of his head and he just hasn't been that good the last couple of seasons. 
Uh, we have talked about FYR not being everything, especially over smaller samples, but in 2019, he put up 0.8 FR, and in 2020, negative 0.6, and so far in 2021, negative 0.2. So he's been a net zero as a as a New York Yankee, go. and that's kind of fascinating. Just a, a hilarious little footnote to that one. Um, other bigger news throughout the game, uh, well, a couple guys are coming back, Ian Kennedy, Ramon Laureano, which could be interesting in the scope of that AL West. Uh, the league has updated their... Uh, vaccination protocols for COVID in terms of what teams can do. Uh, as you see that come across your screen, does anything strike you as particularly interesting or na- a natural step or maybe further trying to incentivize players to get vaccinated if they have not just yet? Yeah, I, mean, I think they're trying to get put as many players as they can to get vaccinated. And I think that's the, you know, that's what makes sense. That's the direction they should be moving. And they can only do so much. They don't want to be pushing too hard on these guys. So, I don't see anything there necessarily that's like out of left field for me. Yeah, that that much is is fair too. I think I think it is just kind of a natural progression, and uh, I, I guess just something to continue monitoring because we don't really see the news on that a ton. Uh, so uh, that brings us very naturally uh, to the. PL piece of the week. Uh, Sean Roberts wrote a piece called Considering a Pitching Machine for MLB. Just a fun idea of like <laughs> a fun thought experiment on what it would mean to get more balls in play. So check out Sean's work there. Um, TC, where can we find you on on the internet, online, uh, at baseball camps? What what can we where can we find you? What can we expect coming up? Yeah, come find me on on and camps come around dmv areas i'll be hanging around you can maybe find me on a field somewhere on a backfield throwing throwing fly balls or whatever <laughs> but uh yeah, i get out of line every now and again you can find me in the pitch of this discord you can find me at mlb trade rumors i'll be there saturday morning for most of the day and uh you can always find me at twitter at t-c-z-e-n-c-k-a you can find me in the discord too kicking around uh interacting as we can uh, again, a great community there, that just very lively and active community. It's got something for everybody. We can't emphasize that much enough. You can find me online at Tim Jackson Says on Twitter uh, every Monday with the depth charts off the charts updates for baseball prospectus and some fantasy free spot, freestyle sprinkled in. Uh, you can find the pod at BreakingPodPL on Twitter. You can email us at BreakingPodPL at gmail.com. Uh, every week we say that we love you guys listening. We love spending the time with you. We can't mean it enough. We we see where the downloads are coming from. Uh, New Jersey and Pennsylvania and Alabama, California, Connecticut, Illinois, Massachusetts, Washington. Uh, one in the UK, uh, Stoke-on-Trent. We see you, Stoke-on-Trent. Yeah. Stoke-on-Trent. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, and, and all the other states and towns, we, uh, I should really compose a list. The bottom line is we see you all. Uh, We really love that you guys decide to spend the time with us, and we hope to spend uh, more time with you next week. Uh, Until then, subscribe, rate us five stars, and comment, uh, and have the best week ever. We'll see you next time, everybody.